You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM, your peace and justice community radio station. I'm uh, your host, John Tarleton, also here with my co-host, Amma Gagarian. And uh, in this second segment, we're going to uh, talk more about the, the city budget that was agreed to last month and uh, the, its uh, impact it's going to have uh, on the city in various uh, forms. We heard a little bit about uh, what's going on with the, the city pools and parks uh, with our first uh, guest, uh, Max uh, um, uh, Riblin-Nadler. And uh, our, our next guest, uh, City Council Member Shahana Hanif, uh, she was uh, elected last year to her first term. She represents District 39 in Brooklyn, uh, covers Park Slope and uh, in Kensington. First Muslim woman to ever be elected to city council. She's also the co-chair of the city council's progressive caucus. Shahana, uh, welcome to WBAI. Thank you so much. So, uh there's a, a lot to talk about. I mean, we're talking about a $101 billion budget uh, deal that was reached uh, uh, last month, and, and there's been a lot of controversy around it. Um, so uh, for for starters, uh, can you lead us through, uh, just without going too deep into the weeds, into the process for uh, how this uh, budget was uh, hammered out and uh, also why you all concluded the the whole budget season more than two weeks before for the deadline because there's been a lot of concerns that have been raised since the the budget deal uh, was finalized and approved yeah absolutely it is tough to talk about this without going into the weeds but i will be trying my best to give well, a synopsis. the parts department will go into the weeds <laughs> a little bit but not, not not too much what i'll share first is to just set the tone here around where I stand in all of these conversations about the budget. I am not on the budget negotiating team. That is the speaker's cabinet of selected kind of VIP council members who help out with the budget negotiations. And I'm not part of an even smaller VIP cohort of leadership. Mm -hmm. So that makes me an outsider in these conversations. And I came into this with some priorities around the committee I chair, which is immigration. And uh, one of the larger campaigns that I organized around was with council member Tiffany Caban to bring in $10 million for childcare for undocumented families. So I just wanted to kind of set the tone in terms of where I am in all of this and uh, what individual members are tasked with in terms of pushing our own priorities mm-hmm. uh, for the budget. The process begins with the release of a preliminary budget by the mayor, and then the council responds. And in that response, we laid out uh, priorities across housing, parks, immigration, all of it, and uh, and then it's a back and forth, which then results in this executive budget. But because I'm on the outside, what I came into was a date for the handshake and a presentation wherein myself and all of the other non-BNT leadership council members received uh, a presentation that Friday before the Monday vote 
Yeah, June that we're 10th. not given Fr- yeah, the, right. June we're not given a timeline as to when the vote was going to happen, when we were re- going to receive this presentation. We get the presentation now, trying to digest it, ask questions at the same time. That night is when Chalkbeat released uh, a part of the presentation we did not receive, which is the education cuts uh, amounting to $215 million, which was listed there. So I hope this outlines a sort of opaqueness and lack of transparency on the inside um, and the inability to organize as a result of this environment that I'm both acclimating to and trying to understand what the political conditions are as I get to know this speaker and her leadership style and her team. And as I get to know this mayor and the administration in terms of how they're going to respond to any organizing or back or pushing back. Uh, Amba, I think you're muted. Yes, I was muted. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you, Shahana, for joining us. So, um, and you are also the co-chair of the Progressive Caucus, of which the majority of city council actually claims membership. Could you talk a little bit of the role of that caucus in the budget process and why you all maybe did not thwart this until you got some more pro-people, pro-public program terms, um, and also just how, how one does become a member of that caucus? I'll begin with how one becomes a member of that caucus as outlined by our bylaws. Uh, When myself and then council member Lincoln Russler, who's co-chair and then our vice co-chairs, council members Jen Gutierrez and Carmen De La Rosa, um, the uh, bylaws basically say that two thirds of the body need to approve incoming members. And so as the turnover took place, um, Anybody who wanted to be a member basically just got approved. There isn't a kind of eligibility criteria, which we want to put forth. Um, but if we stick to the bylaws, amendments that get made to the bylaws also need to get approved by two thirds of the body. Now, the challenges that we're facing include having BNT, our budget negotiating team colleagues in the caucus and also leadership minus the Republican colleagues of ours. So literally, and the speaker, of course, the speaker, her leadership, BNT members are all in the caucus, which make it really difficult (laughs) to uh, get anything done. (laughs) Um, But we began very hopeful because uh, the mayor had been violently sweeping unhoused folks across Brooklyn, across the city, and we put together a letter and uh, the the caucus signed on and we, you know, received pushback from the administration, but we carried forward because this was um, on the speaker's agenda around housing, guaranteed housing, supportive housing, and uh, and then began a process of identifying what our budget priorities are. And Councilmember Jen Gutierrez leads our budget working group. And then we're in the phase where we're about to begin our policy uh, working group 
uh, to prioritize what legislation we want to champion that is going to be led by council member Carmen De La Rosa. But as, as we were moving this, we were doing so without a director. We then hired uh, Emily Mayer, who comes from If Not Now, um, uh, and uh, received a lot of pushback, including from members of the caucus calling her anti-Semitic and going to reporters and so we've been sort of putting out fires while also trying to determine what is the function of this caucus, wherein we've got uh, this hostile formation of people who are close to the speaker and not necessarily rooted in the progressive future we want for this city or constantly push back because the caucus had attempted to put together a letter in response to the budget cuts, the education budget cuts, and two iterations that were not yet sent to the administration had been leaked to the administration by someone in the caucus. And so it's been a deeply challenging space to uh, organize in and to determine, well, how do we move forward uh, with these um, forces in in the caucus, and so right now uh, we're invested in strategizing to get to a place where the caucus can function. Um, but are there are there people you want to expel stuck. from the caucus? I would say hell yeah. I think. Well, name <laughs> I names can't for the entire. I can't speak for the entire caucus, but it will continue to be challenging if uh, the speaker. BNT colleagues and people who are in leadership are in the caucus. None of the folks who are in leadership on the caucus, this is myself, Lincoln, Carmen, Jen, Uh are in any of those formations within the speaker's uh, cabinet. So So is is it fair to say that you felt like that that, that some of the leading, you know, the the speaker's closest allies were essentially undermining the progressive caucus and, and leadership that you and Lincoln and others were trying to provide. Absolutely. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a deep fear of the mayor and a, a, a want a on the, on the part of city council. Speaker. Right. Mm-hmm. And not every member, I'm not saying this is every member, but mm-hmm. when a district hasn't received funding for years and there's a commitment coming in from these political forces, our bureaucrats, it is tough to stand your ground and say, Hey, like I'm going to, you know, fight with y'all. I'm going to be invested in the project to hold the mayor accountable. That is what the caucus's function is. Now, if you don't believe in that, it's okay to exit the caucus. So those are conversations that are going to be tough, that are likely going to, you know, put us in a conflicting position. And, and so we're working through a process that will hopefully be thoughtful and, um, and not one that pits us against our colleagues, because we still have to work with our colleagues as we push forward legislation, um, 
the upcoming budget, if we want to be more organized. So right now, the caucus is in this sort of precarious position. It's, right. It's, it's tough. It, it sounds kind of more like a, a collection of individuals trying to cohere a, a group uh, identity. Um, but uh, so when, when the deal finally went down on June 13th, um, uh, the vote uh, for and again, for people, the, the city council has 51 members, 44 Democrats, seven uh, Republicans. Uh, the final vote was 44 to six. Uh, and um, I, I uh Sandy Nurse, Charles Barron, Christian Richardson Jordan, Tiffany uh, Caban, Alexa Aviles, and Chiose were the were the six who voted against it. You you did not vote against this budget, which um, can you talk can you talk about that? Afterwards, you released a, a I think an email or a, a, a tweet, uh, you know, that said you had complicated feelings about what had happened. Now that we're kind of a month out about it from that. What are your feelings about your complicated feelings and everything? <laughs> I am still, I am still. I mean, I gotta feeling, say, I think a lot of people were disappointed. I mean, I think a lot of, of people I was were, were not thinking that, like, yeah. that that you or some of the other uh, progressive uh, leaders on the city council were gonna fall in line with uh, an Eric Adams budget. You're absolutely right, and I've learned a lot from this budget process, and also decisions or choices that are on the table, yes and a no, are two very shitty choices. Apologize. Um, so Pat, uh, following the budget vote, I, uh, or leading up to the budget vote or why I came to a yes um, was really defined by my conversations with schools. I mean, I learned from Chalkbeat that it's that Chalkbeat is not the city council. It's not the speaker. I learned from an outside entity that there were cuts folded into this budget that was not given to us in a presentation. And so that weekend I took it upon myself with a couple of other colleagues to push our speaker um, to, to ensure that um, the cuts needed to be restored or that right now the, uh, that she needed to be pressuring the mayor because that's the line of communication here um, to get to the bottom of what happened here, why there's a cut, and the egregious nature and the repercussions of these cuts to every single school um, in our city. And, and then by the end of that weekend, received a commitment that the city council is invested in filling the gaps of this budget. And at the same time, after checking in with all of our schools in, in the 39th district, um, I believe that having a seat at the theoretical negotiating table post budget, given the political conditions that are surrounding me would help to restore this funding that I would be able to, um, to, to play a role here, an active role here in fighting for these uh, dollars that um, cannot in this moment in time or really in any moment in time 
um, be cut from our schools and from education. Um, and and the the no position, if I had voted no, my impression was that I would be denied this this seat at the negotiating table. I wanted to put myself in the best possible opportunity to fight for every single school in my district. Um, and there's been a table, but you know, days after having met with the speaker, having then met with the chancellor and his team, um, I've only experienced sharper dead ends on the inside. And it's been deeply disheartening. So uh, I voted yes. I am living with this deep disappointment, but also have been proactive about meeting with our schools, our convening our principals, um, chatting with cohorts or smaller cohorts of um, parent leaders, educators, uh, to, to build out an organizing strategy for my district because this is, there's this short term, uh, fight to restore the dollars that are deserved now. And then there's this larger fight to hold the mayor accountable because he's continuing to divest from our schools annually. The federal dollars are being slashed annually. And right now, our attention needs to be on this mayor who is um, uh, privatizing, who is invested in privatizing uh, education in the city. So we're doing a lot of work as an office um, to uh, build more political education and awareness around the education front here, while also working closely with uh, education equity advocates across the city, um, namely uh, under the People's Plan Alliance, mm -hmm. and also using the Progressive Caucus to organize also uh, the Bowman letter, the uh, Rep Bowman put out a letter, a sign on letter um, yeah. that was supported by myself and Comptroller Lander. So I'm trying to use every tool I have, um, understanding the hostility of this body. Um, to push forward um, uh, a strategy. Right. Yeah, no, it's, obvi it's obviously challenging uh, how to uh, play both an inside and an outside role with a, a, a hostile uh, mayor. And, uh, of course, the city, you know, uh, ma made its uh, bed when we chose Eric Adams to be our next mayor. Um, Unfortunately. <laughs> Yep, we have to wait three years to revisit that one. But uh, uh, we we have to uh, go here. But uh, Shahana Hanif, City Council Member for District Thirty Nine in Brooklyn, I, I really appreciate you joining us today and 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 taking these questions. And you know, again, um, you know, like I said, there's uh, some disappointment around this, but we appreciate you being a stand up uh, rep and coming, you know, coming forward and 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 sharing what you have to share about this whole process. Thank you. I appreciate being in conversation. Great. Well, we'll certainly continue to follow this story because with everything that's going to happen in the schools in the, in the coming year. But once again, uh, Shahana Neef, City Council Member, District 39, Brooklyn, co-chair of the Progressive Caucus. Thank you for joining us on WBAI Radio. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. And we'll come back after a short break with our final guest, uh, John Tufel. He wrote the cover article for this month's Independent called The Fear Factory. How and it looks at how uh, the mayor, the media, and the NYPD really uh, uh, control the, the political discourse in this city and, and shape our political imagination uh, uh, largely to our detriment. He's uh, going to share some more of his analysis with us. 